Welcome to the September 27th, 2011 Frontline Reports podcast from Doctors Without Borders, Médecins Sans Frontières, or MSF. I'm Laura McCullough. This week, children living with HIV need drugs that are appropriate and effective for them in order to survive. A new project to develop these is now on the horizon. Every mother has that challenge of, uh, will my child ever really grow up? Will he have the same opportunities as other children? Every time, every day I woke up, I would just think of him and I would wish he was just like any other child. I would wish he's not taking medicine every morning and evening. There are constant questions of why am I taking this medicine? At the moment, I can't tell him the truth. I just tell him you have to be healthy, so you have to take it because he's a little too young to know. Most parents are familiar with the difficulties of getting children to take their medicines. Well, imagine trying to get a child to swallow up to 16 pills each day, or coping with medicinal syrups that taste so bad children can't keep them down. These are the kind of problems facing families and other caregivers, including MSF staff, who are trying to treat HIV-positive children with the medicines that are currently available. The facts about children and HIV in developing countries are pretty disheartening. Even though it's entirely possible to prevent children from being born with HIV, last year, 370,000 children were newly infected with the virus. Of those, 90% were in sub-Saharan Africa. Without treatment, half of those children will die before they reach their second birthday. Wiping out HIV-AIDS among children is high on the international agenda right now through expanding treatment programmes that will stop the transmission of the virus from mother to child. But until this goal is achieved, the need remains to develop better, more effective medicines to treat children living with the virus. The experience of MSF and others has shown that treating HIV-positive children with antiretroviral drugs does work. But one of the main stumbling blocks is that there are currently very few medicines designed and adapted specifically for treating children, and that are also affordable and practical to use in the places where they live and MSF works. Stepping into that gap, the Drugs for Neglected Diseases Initiative, a drug development partnership, also known as DNDI, co-founded by MSF, has recently announced it is starting a new project to help develop appropriate HIV medicines for children. We'll be hearing from them later in this podcast. But first, here's MSF's Corinne Baker with some of the voices from our projects talking about the difficulties of treating children with HIV. Marianne Gale is a doctor and advisor for MSF, focusing on paediatric HIV and tuberculosis. She's seen how antiretroviral therapy can save children's lives, but says there's an urgent need for more and better drugs that would improve the chances of many more children living with HIV. We know that children with HIV... Once they are diagnosed, which is one of the biggest hurdles, when they are diagnosed and when they are treated, they generally do well on treatment and have good outcomes. But unfortunately, we're faced with very many practical difficulties in actually administering the treatment to them because of the constraints of the current drugs that we have. Sarah is nine. Her mother died of AIDS when Sarah was very young and her father has had to work hard to support his daughter through the complexity of her treatment each and every day. For, for the first uh, tablets, take three in the morning, three in the evening, and the, the second steps take uh, two in the evening and one in the morning. She used two types of medicines, five in the morning and uh, four in the evening. Sometimes she used to, to resist taking drugs and sometimes she used to vomit the medicine. 
One of the most significant steps forward in HIV AIDS treatment in developing countries has been the introduction of fixed dose combinations, which have simplified treatment by combining several drugs into one pill. While adults have had access to fixed dose combination drugs for more than 10 years, it was only in 2007 that they became available for children. There are seven paediatric combination drug formulations that have been quality assured by the World Health Organization or the US Food and Drug Administration. Compare that to the 60 formulations that exist for adults. Dr Gale. So despite having fixed dose combinations and despite big improvements uh, in that way, there are still limitations in the number of formulations that are available to children and some children of certain weight bands still do have considerable pill burdens and some of them might take up to six drugs a day just for their HIV. And if you consider children that might be co-infected, that is, they have HIV and TB, their pill burden can be as high as 16 tablets per day. For Dr Gale, there is one particularly significant drug missing from the paediatric HIV formulations. It's called lipinavir-ritonavir, two drugs in fact, in a child-friendly fixed-dose combination. It is part of a group of antiretrovirals known as protease inhibitors. These drugs are essential for treating infants who have been exposed to or are resistant to the most commonly used HIV drug, nevirapine. Right now, that fixed-dose pill comes as a very large tablet, which is physically impossible for young children to swallow. And if it is split or crushed, it is no longer effective. The drug also exists as a syrup, but costs four times as much as nevirapine-based treatment. Dr Gale says the syrup is also completely impractical. It must be kept constantly refrigerated before it is dispensed and after that the syrup has to be kept at below 25 degrees Celsius or 77 degrees Fahrenheit for no more than six weeks. So in order to keep it uh, less than 25 degrees, we're advising families to do things like digging a hole in the ground and putting a clay pot in the ground in order to keep the syrup in there when they don't have any electricity. Furthermore, the syrup itself is very difficult to give to children because it's, it tastes awful and it contains more than 40% alcohol. And of course, you can imagine giving something like that to a very young child is really not optimal at all. It's not a feasible option to continue giving the syrup to a child, and it's most urgent that we find another solution. Dr Gale isn't alone in her frustration over a system of drug development that neglects children and has little interest in developing the tools needed to save many more young lives. One of the critical things... Uh, when we talk about paediatrics in general, um, but specifically for HIV and uh, for tuberculosis, is really to change what has been past practice of first approving drugs and, and having drugs available in adults and then thinking of children as an afterthought. We cannot continue to deny children treatment while the evidence and the drugs are there available for adults. While listening to that with me is Rachel Cohen, who's the Regional Director of the Drugs for Neglected Diseases Initiative. DNDI has announced a new project, as we said, to develop antiretroviral drugs adapted for children that it hopes might answer some of the problems we've just been hearing about. The programme will focus exclusively on developing formulations for children under the age of three. It hopes to have the new drugs available between 2014 and 2016. Welcome, Rachel. Now, as we've been hearing, antiretroviral drugs do already exist to treat children with HIV. So what exactly is the problem here? 
For HIV, we have something like 25 antiretrovirals on the market. The problem is that for children, we don't have adequate safety and dosing information because companies just don't, for the most part, test drugs in children. And so we have very, very few treatment options, despite the existence of many antiretrovirals, particularly for the youngest children under three. Why don't companies do those tests? Is it more complicated to develop drugs for children? Well, I mean, we always say children are not small adults. And so it's not just taking an adult pill and, you know, making it sort of taste good for children. There are many complications for children. They metabolize drugs in a very different way. Also, because they are growing, you need to have different dosages. And so this is actually really complicated in terms of drug development to actually get the right doses for kids. Right now, we really have a completely insufficient arsenal to treat children with HIV. But the figures really speak for themselves. There's a clear and urgent medical need out there for more and better paediatric AIDS medicines. Why isn't it being met? Well, I mean, the main reason is that there is basically no lucrative market for the pharmaceutical industry. In the case of adult HIV, there's, of course, a very lucrative market in wealthy countries and people pay extremely exorbitant prices for antiretrovirals. But it's kind of uh, ironic because we have virtually eliminated pediatric HIV in rich countries because of effective prevention of mother-to-child transmission. It means that we have very few babies born with HIV here, meaning in the U.S. or in Western Europe or in other wealthy countries. And as a result, there's really no financial incentive for companies to get involved. And this is why we consider that pediatric HIV and that children living with HIV are a population requiring a completely different approach in terms of drug development. The project sets out a number of different objectives to improve treatment, including the creation of a new improved fixed-dose combination tablet. That's with three medicines combined into the one pill. And this is aimed at children under the age of three. So why are you focusing on that age group in particular? I would say there's two reasons. The first and most important one is that they are the most at risk of dying. The disease is very aggressive in young children. Their immune systems cannot fight the infections that come along with a deteriorated immune system. And so they're at very high risk of dying. That's the first and most important reason that we're focusing in on that age group. The second reason, though, is because they're usually last on the list. They're the kind of most neglected among children with HIV in terms of drug development. This fixed-dose combination tablet that you're hoping to create is likely to contain the more robust and potent drugs called protease inhibitors that we heard Dr Marianne Gale calling for earlier. What are the other ideal characteristics you'll be looking for in a new treatment? Ideally, this new therapy needs to be easy to administer for kids, so either sprinkles or a water-soluble tablet of some kind, not the liquids that are really difficult and not tablets that are too large for children to swallow. It needs to be palatable, meaning it needs to taste good to kids, or at least it has to be taste neutral so that they don't react badly and have a difficult time taking it. It needs to be heat stable. It needs to be easily dispersible and, if possible, dosed once daily or less. And then one of the other most important issues is that it needs to carry a minimum risk for developing resistance with minimum requirements for weight adjustments. But one of the most important characteristics is that 
it be compatible with tuberculosis drugs. TBHIV co-infection is extremely high in developing countries, especially in sub-Saharan Africa and in southern Africa. And it's extremely important that whatever therapy we develop is compatible with TB drugs or that we work with other partners to develop pediatric TB drugs that are compatible with the ideal first-line antiretroviral regimen that we're talking about creating. There's a very big push at the international level to step up efforts to prevent children contracting the HIV virus in the first place. Do you agree developing new drugs to treat children is just one, albeit very important, element in the larger fight to end paediatric AIDS? That is for sure. And I think it's really important to stress that we are not under any illusions that, you know, an improved first line therapy is going to be the magic bullet that will allow us to really address HIV in children. There are a huge number of barriers. And uh, I saw this myself working in Southern Africa for many years with MSF. Once a mother has come to antenatal care, been diagnosed with HIV, received appropriate prophylaxis or treatment, and then brought her child in to be diagnosed to know whether the child is HIV positive or negative, only then does treatment even come into the equation. But if we don't have treatment, as we said at the very beginning, we have very high, alarming mortality rates among children, and we can't afford to, none of us can afford to be in a situation where children are are needlessly dying of HIV when good treatment options can and should exist. Thanks, Rachel. That was Rachel Cohen of the Drugs for Neglected Diseases Initiative talking about DNDI's new paediatric HIV drug research programme. If you want to know more about what MSF does to treat children with HIV or prevent transmission of the disease, please go to msf.org to find the MSF website in your home country. To learn more about DNDI, visit dndi.org. Please send any comments and questions for the podcast to msfpodcast at msf.org. MSF is an independent medical humanitarian aid organisation that delivers emergency assistance to people affected by wars, epidemics and natural or man-made disasters in more than 60 countries around the world. Thank you.